So we're going to learn the Nesiva Shalom, uh, the Laslan and the Rebbe, the fourth Ma'amar on um, Yom Kippur. And it tells us in the verse in Joel, which is the minor, one of the minor prophets, and we use that in our liturgy, Ki Godol Yom Hashem Venora Ma'od, because this day is great, the, the day of the Lord, it is uh, awful or inspiring. Um, and the Medrash in Tanchuma in Parshas Vayishlach uh, explains this Pasuk and says it refers to Yom Kippur. I mean, in the Pshat in Yoel, it doesn't refer to Yom Kippur. But, but the Medrash says, well, there's only one day that is Gadol and Yom and no Rama Od, and that is Yom Kippur. Okay, so the Nesiva Shalom is going to now prioritize time in the Jewish annual cycle. He's going to prioritize time um, based on the Sefer Yetzirah that we can divide reality into three dimensions of time, space, and person. And now he's going to look at time, and he's going to analyze time uh, to see to what extent there are levels of uh, sanctity in time. We already see that during the course of the Jewish ritual cycle that there are days that um, are hierarchically arranged in terms of sanctity. The weekday, Erev Shabbos, Shabbos, Motor Shabbos, Yontov. So I want to know why the Medrash jumps in and says that this particular pasuk, which is generic, Ki Godol Yom Hashem, the day of the Lord is great, why should that be applied specifically to Yom Kippur? That Daska specifically that day should be applied. Why? What's going on in the Midrashic imagination to ascribe that verse in Minor Prophets of Joel and to apply that specifically to Yom Kippur? And of course, characteristically, as a Hasidic Rebbe, he makes use of our mystical literature and dives into the Zohar. Ubezoya Kodesh Parshas Pinchas, Chelek Gimel, page 255, brings the following quotation. Yom Kippurim de Itkre Kodesh. Yom Kippur is called holy. Delo Ishtatev Imi Sotan Upagara Umisitra Lo Yigrafra. Ah, the Zohar adds something that might explain the Midrash. It's very, he doesn't care about time or history. So Torah Shvap is one seamless ocean, so he can pick from the Zoya, from the Medrash, doesn't matter, they're a thousand years apart, doesn't matter, right? So he's going to explicate that Medrash by bringing us a Zohar that says what is so unique about Yom Kippur is that it is a day that Satan, the Satan doesn't mess with, and he doesn't influence. So apparently every day, both in time place and person, there is the side of Kedusha and Tahara, and there's also the flip side of the dark side. It's a Gnostic world in which whatever we do uh, is balanced on a knife edge between what he called yesterday Shvira Takelim, right, the Ra, 
and we were struggling yesterday with is Ra Ra or is Ra not Ra but the mixture and the Ra is represented by this satanic impulse in the universe. And he quotes the Kol Nidre in which all these uh, denizens of evil are mvutal, they are nullified. Hainu, now the Rebbe carries on, quoting that Zohar. For this one day, you've been given a pass. For this 24-hour period, you're given a pass. Your addiction can't hurt you. You're, you're not fablonjured. You're not given any kinds of yetsahara. Wait, let's see what he says first. <laughs> so you're given a free pass one day a year. You're free from the burden of the dark side of the Yetzirah of the Sultan. It's a different view of Yom Kippur than we're used to, right? It's a Hasidic view of Yom Kippur. Shebiyom Kippurim hu chofshi mikolzeh she'ein liyetzirah shum shlita bebechines lo yigrara. Remember, if I am moved towards an addictive behavior, at least in recovery, we know that we call him the addict. We, we personify the Yetzirah as the addict, right? So he doesn't leave me alone. Or the addict is really tough on me today, right? What he's saying is exactly the same thing. On this one day, you are relieved of the burden of the Yetzirah. What a claim that for 24 hours, I don't have this impulse to act inappropriately. It's not my experience, so we'll have to see what he means. Even if there is a an oath that's been put on you and you have you you know in you in the throes of whatever you even get a free pass on Yom Kippur from this. So it's not just the Nadorim that I made with other people that I haven't, but all the Nadorim and the Gezeris that came from upstairs on me on this one day are nullified. So we have to understand. What is the Inyan of Atoros Nadorim? That is the, we sit in front of three people like a judge and we're asking him to relieve us of any inadvertent oaths that we make. This is part of the ritual of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And, uh, um, and our job is to, to be nullify that. And how do we do that? And what's the reason? Why is it specifically in Yom Kippur? Why don't we do it the rest of the year? Um, I can go to a base and say, listen, I made a note. Can you please uh, release me from it? Why is it only particular this time that we can do it? You can't do it on other times? No. So let's understand what does it mean that we... Probably now. Uh, so let's understand what it says in the Svar Makadoshim, that this bringing out of the Sefer Torah and the saying, O Zorul and bringing the Sefer Torah uh, 
What does it mean in terms of tikkunim lepegame bris kodesh? So what he's saying is, what is it about the bringing out in the mystical literature, the bringing out of the Sefer Torah and turning it around um, is to fix the Pagam Habris. Remember we talked about yesterday that the Shefa comes down only to the Tibur and no further down, right? What is it about Tikkun Habris? That is, the, the, what makes it Yom HaKadosh Shekol Inyoni HaTikkunim Nasim this preparation with the releasing of vows um, we all do in order that we can become uh, sanctified on this day. So now he comes out with the outrageous claim that the Zohar makes that of all the mitzvahs in the Torah, Pagama bris has no tshuva. It's an outrageous claim. Because in halacha, it's not, it's not the case. I mean, but Pagama bris for the Zohar is critical. And there's a whole theology behind it because... So what the, does this mean? You just simply cook, that's it? So forget about... In the, the Zohar Kodesh, it says that the regular tshuva, tshuva regila mo'elet lalehem, doesn't help. Rak achas bashana biyoma kipurim yesh his damnut li yehudi lechape me avonos So sins regarding to sexual indiscretion, only Yom Kippur is the time in the mystical Judaism, I'm not talking about halacha, uh, to fix this. Baram echi kanes liyom hagadol hadvanura ba'o tu moso mechitza shelbazam segment of enishim isroch machnas begom. Because he is basing it on the Zohar, and the Zohar's claim is that you, there is only one direction towards God. And that is through the use of what the Buddhists would call kundalini energy, or the Hindus. This kundalini energy that comes from the base of the spine can either go up towards the Atman, to the soul power, and connect with the divine, or it can go down and discharge itself. It's apparently that same energy, the same energy, the powerhouse, we, what Freud would call the id, the id energy, which is a very basic sexual energy that makes a man get up and go and procreate and, and conquer the world. Um, that's the energy that's needed to fuel uh, the ultimate um, difficult process of self-constraint so that one can prepare one's higher functions to relate to the divine. And so the pagam in that area for the Zohar is so critical and it's so profound because it disturbs one's relationship to one's higher power. Now, anyone who goes to an SAA meeting knows that one acts out in pornography and in sexual uh, uh, immorality uh, not because one's evil, we don't have that morality-based thing in recovery, but it's because we uh, feel that what has, one has a God-shaped hole in the heart that has been filled with the inappropriate. And if only you can go through the steps of recovery, you will develop a new relationship with your higher power. That's exactly the same theory that's going on here.
לכן נודו בכל אלה עניוני תיקונים הנעשים בפתח היום הקודש. שהם עניון סגולים לתאר יהודי מקום. The function of this day then is not through eating and not through relating sexually to anyone and, and through the inuim that we have on Yom Kippur is to free one up because it's a day that's segula. It is an auspicious day for cleaning out shop in this area. וכל אלו התיקונים נאמרים ונעשים טרם כניסת יום הקודש, כי תכלס הבריאה היא כממה בעל שם טוב, לבד ידך ממני נדך. And therefore all the preparations by getting rid of all the false oaths and by bringing out the Sefer Torah and Kol Nidre and all that stuff is to prepare one for this amazing day in which the Baal Shem Tov claimed that no person can get laid to waste, meaning Every person is holy, whatever he's done, irrespective of what he's done, as you said about Hitler this morning. Um, and therefore, there's a possibility of returning to their connection with the divine. And that's the day that is auspicious for that. And the very first thing we say in Kol Nidre is that we are matir We have permission to daven with all the sinners. We're all together in the same boat. That even the sinners, in whatever situation they find themselves, are able to enter into this auspicious day of Yom Kippur. What is the function of Kippur, the soid in space, he says? Rabbi Akiva once said, it's brought in the Gemara, Happy are you, O Israel. Before who you are purifying, and who purifies you, your Father in heaven. So Rabbi Akiva makes this statement, it's an emotional statement, that the image that we have of the divine, we should be very pleased with, because our image is of a Father in heaven. The Rabbi Akiva mechadesh Rabbi Akiva is actually telling us and renewing or making something new in his words about the basics of the purification process on Yom Kippur. Even though a person sins all year, since Yom Kippur comes, his sins are forgiven. And he is purified from them. We already said in the Gemara in Bava Kama, uh, uh, 50, page 50, that God is a Vatran, meaning he doesn't stand on ceremony. He's not, um, he has no grudges. So then what do I need? The Indian Shil Yom Kippurim. I mean, if God is a Vatran, you just have to say, forgive me, and it's done. Especially for the one who says that even those who don't come into the process of tshuva, they are forgiven because of the day of Yom Kippur. The day itself forgives. That's what the auspicious nature of the day is. You go through that flux of time like a, a, like a car wash, and you didn't do anything. It's done to you. So even the person who goes to work in the car wash, his job that day, 
he's yeah. taken care of. Right? So then what do I need that Yom Kippur if we know God isn't a Vatran? Mm-hmm. The Chiddush of Rabbi Akiva is very interesting. Ashrechem Yisrael, yes, happy are Yisrael. Why? Because we know who um, we know um, who is um, purifying you, and umimetar eschem, that you're being purified, and who's purifying him? But who is it? The Bechina of God in heaven, your Father in heaven. So this is the idea that the Chiddush of Rabbi Akiva is. It's not just a physicist's wire diagram process of um, purification. The auspicious nature of the day, you go through the car wash. But you have a relationship with the owner of the car wash. He's your father in heaven. Like a son who is so attached to his father. So now he's bringing in and putting into the words of Rabbi Akiva, not just the statement, happy is Israel, because they connect to their father in heaven. But he's saying is the very connection with the father in heaven, like a son to a father, is precisely the aspect of Yom Kippur that is the operative enzyme, the catalyst. Like when you go into the mikveh and you become purified. What you do in the process of mikveh immersion is that you are immersing the entire body in a body of water which is the source of Tara, meaning you prepare the mikveh, it has 40 sar in it, it's made in a certain way over a bar, it's connected to Mayim Chaim and rainwater, right? So that mikveh is a preparation of Tahara, because you've done the halachic requirements to make that purified. So that water is Mayim Tahorim. Now you dip, that's the preparation. Now you go into it and completely immerse in it. Below shum chatzitza. Below shum chatzitza. That's what he's saying. You can't go in with your pants on or with makeup on or with the band-aid on, right? There has to be no chatzitza. There could be no interruption between the water that's surrounding you and the skin, the outer limits of your person, persona. That's what is ma'ake, right? If you have a chatzitza, all the women go crazy, right? In preparations for their mikvah. We're not so we're not so careful, but they are. Because there can be no chatzitza. He's taking that as a metaphor. The chatzitza that you would have would impair your becoming totally purified by the surrounding waters of that mikvah. So this is what Rabbi Akiva says. Ashrechem Yisrael, happy are you, O Israel. She'atem mesugalin le'tabek v'ashem be'bechina ila'ah kazu anikra v'hashuva shomayim. That you are able to be purified the way you go into a mikveh without any interruptions, no chatzitze. Your attachment to the divine is completely immersed in the totality. That's what the happiness is. That we have that gift from the divine to be immersed one day in the year in that way. That's the mystery of purification. The mystery of the mikveh, remember, it's a mystery, it's no rational explanation, is that 
It's before the divine you become pure. It's not just I'm going to the mikvah and becoming pure. It's lifnei Hashem, Ashrechem Yisrael, lifnei Hashem titonu. So you have this transcendent divine that you are manifesting your ritual behavior by the immersion into that body of water. And in front of that transcendent divine, you are now becoming purified. I know. It's very interesting how he's, he's really being medaic on the words of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva has a poetic device. We sing it. We do it at Simchas Torah. We sing it with the rabbi, right? And he's being medaic on that posuk and saying, what is Ashrei? What is the happiness? That you have the koach of Lifnei Hashem. We are able to somehow, in a magical way, connect with that transcendent divine. And it's that which makes us purified. So the Kedushas Levi takes this even one step further, Reb Levi Yitzchak Miber Dichev, and says, now don't think you can just walk through Yom Kippur and just say the day purifies you. That's true, but you are a person that has to have some kind of intentionality. And the intentionality is very hard, maybe only the Kedusha slave you could do it, that Yom Kippur does not atone until the person is mevatel kol yeshuso. He's able to nullify his ego identity and machnis atzmo and enter into the ayin. Now, I call the ayin the ein sof, the totality, meaning he's able to dissolve that little bubble of his selfhood and able to enter into the larger bubble of the ayin. And that's why Rabbi Akiva is saying mikveh is so important. Because in that mikveh, you are acting out that stripping away of your levushin, of your garments, of your identity, of your selfhood, of everything, the schmutz that's on you, and entering naked into the womb of the mikveh, the womb of the ayin, the womb of mother the goddess, right? And emerge a new person. That's what he's saying. The rest of the you could also do that. But a person knows the Morris Nafshur. Everyone knows from self-awareness what his soul is and what it's steeped in this world and all the problems and troubles of this world. How is he how is he going to connect? On this day, there is a movement in both directions. We are trying to go up, but the Rabboni Shalom is mitkarev Yisrael. Extraordinary claims here that God actually comes to meet us. That gives us the auspicious power to do this work. So it's the day that is auspicious because the Rabboni Shalom is coming towards us to meet us that gives us the power to meet him. There's a movement in both directions. It's not all on us like the rest of the year. This is the power of Yom Kippur. It's a mystical, non-rational movement of the infinite power of the totality that's coming to meet so that the, if I have the two bubble theory, 
that I love. Totality. I was in totality. Sorry. And that totality actually comes closer and closer to my small bubble as I'm trying to reach to dissolve it to meet that totality. It's an auspicious day for that. Uh, and the Psalms that we And so that's what we say. This is the day in the Kiddush, and we say in our in our davening that this is the day that is all full. It's filled with all. Hamarames la for you. That also is hinting towards the future, like the rabbi said yesterday, right? That we're stuck in not yet David. We want it to be the Elokei David. Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yisrael, Elokei Yaakov. What about Elokei David? Nah, your time hasn't come yet. We don't have that fourth sense of godliness, uh, which is l'osid lover in the future. This idea that no one is left out from the end days, this end of time, this perfection of time, this resolution of the tikkun, on Yom Kippur, we're also looking towards that Yom Hashem Hanorah that's brought back in Joel as he looks towards the future of the messianic utopia in which no one will be left out. Every human being will be included uh, in that messianic vision. So that as we go into Yom Kippur, we're not only looking at the past year, we're not only looking at the present auspicious time, but all time collapses, the past, the present, and the future, as we look into this time of Yom Kippur that is a time beyond time. Mm-hmm. It's a day that allows us to be released from time. The Bechina of La'osid Lovo, Be'echeit Gala Orisha Mashiach, Batlu Hashem. And that time we will be freed from the shackles of the physical universe. And we will be as spirit lights available only to be mevatel to the totality. At that time we will all bow to the Lord on the sacred mountain in Jerusalem. That is the idea of the sacred mountain and Jerusalem in that day in the messianic era could be visualized as a total nullification of this personal ego and this dissolution in the totality of the divine in the future. So that Yom Kippur is this auspicious day that is a wormhole to the past and the future as we stand in the present and so we dissolve this whole time-space continuum. And in the Sefer Yetzirah we're told that there are levels of sanctity in time, space and person. And guess what? on the most holiest moment of Yom Kippur at the Musaf, with the holiest person, the high priest, goes into the holiest place, the Holy of Holies on the sacred mountain in Jerusalem. At that moment in time, he is permitted to pronounce the ineffable, unutterable name of the divine. And that ritual is the moment in the cycle of our calendar where time, place, and space, time, place, and person 
hierarchically come together so that the holiest person in the holiest time, in the holiest place, when those come into what you call when the sun and the moon are in alignment, what is that called? Um, <laughs> conjunction. Conjunction. When that occurs in conjunction, mm -hmm. then there is some connection between this world and the world beyond, or the world within, or the world above, however you want to spatially imagine your higher self. When that happens, uh, then we are actually pronouncing the name of the ineffable name, which I feel we pronounce too much in our daily time. There's too much God talk, but we are able to actually pronounce the name of the divine, meaning, what does it mean to make that utterance? What does it mean when a person says, right? When you call your wife darling, when you, it's a moment of intimacy that no other time in the year we are afforded uh, that opportunity. Thank you.